Welcome to another episode of No Thanks But Yes, chill conversations with splendid people. Non-monetized and unaffiliated, this Freedom From Addiction podcast celebrates the many faces, voices, and pathways of recovery from chaotic substance use. <laughs> but what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Keep fighting, I guess. Right on. You. Right on. <laughs> Andrea, welcome. Thank you so much for saying yes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> right on. I've so, done a podcast before, so I'm pretty excited. <clears throat> I get to be your first, and I'll tell you what, it's going to be awesome, I hope. We shall yeah. figure that out. Absolutely. Right. It will be. Well, you know what? On, on No Thanks But Yes, we introduce ourselves, you know, so give me that pitch. Who are you? Hi, I am Andrea Haddox. I am the founder and executive director of the Oklahoma Harm Reduction Alliance. I also helped found another local organization um, before this one that is still running and thriving, which is fantastic. I, um, I am also a person who I don't ever know how to describe it because none of it seems like it fits me anymore. Um, but I guess if I had to pick, it would be I'm a person who uses drugs in recovery um, or I'm in recovery as a person who uses drugs. I don't really see it. None of it seems like it fits completely. So I don't really know how to say that, but um, I am, I don't know, I'm 44. I'm single. I have two cats and I live alone and I have a really great life. <laughs> oh my God. That's brilliant. And I got to tell you, you know, as a, as a self-identity, as it relates to your relationship with drugs, you are not alone in, in that description. I am a person in recovery who uses some substances, you know, or I'm a person who uses substances in recovery. I'm hearing lots of people say that they've overcome a chaotic relationship with a couple drugs. They've uh, they've grown and deepened in this trudge on this blue marble. And um, they have found some things that can bring them joy without chaos. And amen. And we are free to do so. Absolutely. Groovy. We met. In Oklahoma, through our beloved friend, Robert Childs, he and I came and hollered into the mic at a conference about the intersection of harm reduction and recovery or some such. And he's always been brilliant about inviting local awesomeness to come and talk. And that's when we met and we, uh, our host brought us some pie from a local shop called. That was the other Andrea, right? Huh? That was Andrea number two. Yeah. Andrea number two, right? So she calls herself. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah, that, um, oh yeah, I was delighted that you were with a, an outfit, Tulsa Shots at the time, right? Shots Tulsa, yeah. Shots Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think I was with them at the time. What year was that? Was that pre-COVID? I think so. I think so. I think it was 2019. Yeah. Uh, I w- Yeah, we would have been right at the end of our relationship there yeah oh okay cool 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 i was really uh delighted to meet you we had fun so fun hollering into the mic about harm reduction and recovery coming together what how do you feel about that uh about harm reduction and recovery yeah (laughs) so 
I come from an abstinence only background, um, 12 step world for decades. I would say probably most of my life. I started in Alateen, uh, went to uh, a young people's sobriety group, enthusiastic sobriety group, and that was basically a cult. And then um, <laughs> there's actually Facebook pages dedicated to it. And there was a 60 minute episode about the guy who started our group that we were in. Um, and then back to AA and uh, and then I came across, uh, I started watching harm reduction in St. Louis where I'm originally from and uh, watching that happen. And I started getting into it a little more. And then I found Dee Dee Stout's book, um, Coming to Harm Reduction, Kicking and Screaming, Looking for uh, Harm Reduction in 12-Step World. And that blew my mind open. Some of the things that she talked about in there, especially when she talked about um, her sponsor being Bill and, or Bob's sponsee and learning that AA was never meant to be a lifelong program. It was a stepping stone for people. And that made so much sense to me when I found that. Mm. Uh, and I, cause I've been questioning things for a while in the rooms and uh, felt uncomfortable, didn't quite buy into everything. Um, didn't feel like I really belonged. And, uh, and so once I found harm reduction and, realized how any positive change is recovery um that spoke to me so much more because being in those programs felt shaming and the thing that i love about harm reduction is we accept people right where they are we never try to push people to do anything different and that speaks so that speaks volumes for me because i don't ever want to be coercive with anyone or make people feel like they have to do something to receive services from us or to be my friend or to be in my life. Um, hmm. Obviously I have boundaries, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't want people to feel like a certain, like they have to do certain things um, hmm. because that's, and I felt like that when I was in recovery, in my last recovery space and, I just felt, I felt like I couldn't trust my thinking. And now I feel like I can a little bit more, you know? Right. Right on. Right on. You, uh, it's roundabout, but some, some autonomy and, and power and, and, and purpose coming out of this. It's so important that we have, um, that we have choice because there are people for whom your previous community is empowering and feels like a fit. You know, and people like you and me, for whom it, you know, it served a grand purpose at a time, but then, um, you know, it 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 just it didn't feel right, and 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 I too have moved into a separate community, and I just I want to have options. You you spoke about, you know, harm reduction and recovery, um, really wonderful there. I appreciate that. I want to talk about recovery. We ask every guest. I say we, and just such a knucklehead. There's no we. I, I, yeah, it's a pretentious we. I ask, I ask everybody. I have a chill conversation with. Um, you know, you said you are a person in recovery. What does recovery mean? Um, yeah, that has definitely changed over the years for sure. Um, like I said, it used to be abstinence. That was recovery, and that's what I thought. Uh, recovery meant and I would get upset when people would say 
that they were drinking or using drugs and in recovery, I would get so upset and like judgy and like, um, me too. Yeah. God, that, and it makes me feel yucky knowing that I did that. Um, but I also know that it's helped me grow as a person, which is, um, beautiful. And I, uh, for me, recovery is taking care of myself, uh, making sure that I am sleeping, eating, drinking water, going out and playing, going out with my friends, spending time doing my hobbies, um, showering, <laughs> uh, talking to my friends, seeing a therapist if I need to. Um, if I take medications, I take those on time. Um, things like that, just making sure that my my physical, emotional um, well-being is taken care of. And then when it comes to substances, I definitely have, I try to keep myself in check, but I also have friends that I um, check in with on that. Um, there's only a couple people in my life that I really, really talk to about anything that I do. Um, and so I have that I guess, level of accountability for lack of a better word, uh, just to be able to check in with them and make sure like, Hey, I just want to, cause I, I mean, there's always going to be risks that are bad choices that people make regardless of whether they have a chaotic relationship with substances or a good <laughs> or a better relationship with substances. There's always going to be, um, bad choices that happen. And I think when those happen, people tend to beat themselves up and be like, oh, well, fuck it. I might as well just throw caution to the wind and fucking lose myself in this because that's what we've been told will happen. Yeah. Uh, and that's not necessarily true. Maybe not for, well, for me, it's not necessarily true. I'm the only one that can speak for. Um, I take those as learning experiences and talk to them and process them with my friends and are with one friend in particular or my therapist. And then I learn from that experience and try to remember the next time, like, oh yeah, don't do that this time. <laughs> remember what happened last time? We don't want that to happen again. Um, it's the same thing as, you know, being in a relationship with uh, a partner that you tend to go for the same kind of person and you tend to repeat those patterns of behavior. It's like, you don't lose yourself in that all the time and like say, fuck it, I'm just going to stay here. It's like, Right. We try to learn and grow and pick different people. It's the same thing with substances for me. I try to learn and grow and pick different actions based on what happened the last time. And um, I think that that's been, it's been challenging because there was a lot of um, like deprogramming that I had to do to my brain when I got out of a uh, 12 step program and learn how, cause like, you know, you're told your whole time in there that you can't trust your thinking You've got to ask the group. You've got to ask your sponsor. You've got to do this. You just, your thinking got you here, right? <laughs> That's what they say. Your best uh, thinking. Yeah, your best thinking, right? <laughs> I remember waking up one day and I was like, you know what? I'm the one choosing not to use drugs and alcohol every day. No one else is making that choice for me. I'm 40 something years old. I can go out and do whatever the hell I want. Like, and then it was like, well, why can't I trust my thinking? if I'm making the right choices every day, that doesn't, it sounded very uh, contradictory to me and mm. it never quite made sense. And also the, the saying that my best day high is, or what it was, my best day mm. using is 
my worst day sober is always better than my best day using. And, I never bought that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it I had some really fun times. It kind of wasn't true. Yeah, it wasn't true. And like, I remember telling my story one time and being like, I know that there's different versions of me along the way, different chapters of me. Sure. And I don't think that that person that I was then was a bad person. Oh. She was just doing what she had to do to survive. And so I'm very grateful that that was a version of me that I went through um, mm. because it's led me to where I am today. And so those were the contradictory things that I just couldn't put yeah. together in my head. And so, I mean, I still have a really hard time trusting my own thinking um, and my, yeah, my intuition uh, just because of things that have happened recently and yeah. in the past. And so it's, it makes you question that, but for the most part, like I just try to keep myself in check with everything and talk with people. I have a really, really good support group, like support system here in Tulsa. It's my chosen family. <laughs> and yeah. um, I've been here for, actually it's been 10 years. Um, in two weeks, it'll be 10 or the 7th of May, I think is when I moved here. Wow. So yeah. And I, it was coming off of a heroin overdose is the reason that I moved here. Um, I moved here with two suitcases, uh, two girls from the Oxford house picked me up from the airport and I moved in, I detoxed a little bit in the bedroom. <laughs> and, uh, three days later I got a job and 10 years later, I have a master's degree, a nonprofit a house and two cats that I've kept alive. <laughs> oh, queen, queen. Hey, listen, you, you bring up a, a, a few, um, important things I want to review real quick. What yeah. one in, in your, in your discussing your recovery, you talk about, um, you talk about health and wellness and making these, these decisions towards a process of improved health and wellness. And then you talk a lot about connection. And so I, I think that's a beautiful thing. You talk a little bit about, um, uh, what something I picked up from reading Maya Solovus, um, Marlat's abstinence violation effect. You know, if if I'm going to do a little, you said, F it, I may as well do a lot. And that that's a har harmful construct that sometimes can be built into us. And it just doesn't have to be that way. And um, and also this business of, of writing off the entirety of our former self, so to speak, which is difficult because, you know, I mean, for for for, you know, much of my um active chaotic use. I mean, I was a husband and a father, you know, was it all bad? It certainly was not. It certainly was not. I, I, I'm, I showed up for many things and I did many good things and, and, you know, yeah, I, I had hopelessness and despair and, 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 and chaos and, and, and some deep needs that I was trying to find solutions for through, through chemistry. And it was almost working, but it just wasn't sustainable. And you brought up all that good, good. And I appreciate you for that. And you just moved into, I've been here 10 years. Look at me now. Now we get to talk about what are you doing in this space right now? Tell us about what you do. Yeah. So like I said, I'm the executive director and founder of the Oklahoma Harm Reduction Alliance. Uh, I started <laughs> I started in 2018 <laughs> during my master's degree for social work. Um, I had met a young or a younger person, a woman named Hannah, and we uh, started 
I wanted to start a syringe exchange. She was already handing out naloxone. We got together and I was like, well, let's do this. And she was like, hell yeah. So we got, we, I just started cold calling um, people on the Nazan list. <laughs> Nazan. <laughs> and uh, that said that they had a woman as an executive director. <laughs> and I just started cold calling them because I used to be in advertising. So I know very well how to cold call people. <laughs> I have, I'm not a shy person at all when it comes to that. So, and I just started asking questions. Uh, how do we do this? Where do we start? What's the first thing? Like, what's some advice? Um, just asking whatever I could ask. And then uh, I found out about the New, or New Orleans Harm Reduction Conference about two weeks before it uh, started and, or it was going to be. And I asked off from both of my jobs. I got, I made some fake business cards that said Tulsa harm reduction something. And I went down to New Orleans and started meeting all the people that uh, I had talked to on the phone and people I knew and uh, just started networking because I'm a collector of connections. I don't usually let people go very easily. And because you never know how we can help each other, right? Uh, <laughs> and from there, it just snowballed. We started Shots Tulsa. We started a delivery system. It went really well. Um, we did that for a few years. And then in 2000, late 2019, early 2020, uh, we decided to separate because of just differences in how we wanted to run things, which is totally understandable. You don't always know who, or you don't realize how quickly you're going to grow sometimes. And um you don't plan for that all the time when you're little like that and you're new because you just don't know what's going to happen. Right. And so, uh, we split and I started okra. Okra was something that I had thought about, um, for a while before I left and I already had the name trademarked and everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, um, so 2020, we started okra, um, Oklahoma harm reduction Alliance. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram website. You can find us small plug. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we've got great merch, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm going to come get me some. I love, I've got shirts. And abortion is harm reduction. Cannabis is harm reduction. Uh, we have some good hoodies too. I love our hoodies. Actually, one of the hoodies has my um, tattoo on it that says love is harm reduction. Oh my God. Look yeah. At isn't that beautiful? That's gorgeous. It's on one of the hoodies. Uh, he drew it as a shirt on Overdose Awareness Day this year, this last year. And after he drew it for a shirt, I was like, will you tattoo that on me, please? Set it on me forever. <laughs> I want it for always. <laughs> um, harm reduction has been such a catalyst, like a catalyst for change in my life and for yeah. um, opening my mind up to things and growth and just all around, like shaping who I am today. And I am forever grateful for that. Like, I love doing this work. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Meet, meeting, meeting harm reductionists has made me a better person. Absolutely. Meeting people like you and Robert and all the people in my life um, has, has well. just made me a better person. I'm grateful for it. Robert's been a good friend and mentor. Um, I wouldn't, I didn't expect that just because I didn't know him. Um, but he has been someone who has, consistently touched base with me and checked in with me and things. And he's very, he's been very sweet and caring. And I appreciate 
him as a person completely. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I love him. Never gatekeeps anything, and that's beautiful in this work. <laughs> right on. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Can't wait to tell him we put some love on him. He right. might actually listen. Yeah. <laughs> but okra has grown so okra. big. We have, I think we gave out 14 or 15,000 doses of naloxone last year. We wow. uh we hit 72 of the 77 counties in Oklahoma through our mail-based program. Um so far this year, we have over 200 reversals on overdoses. Mm. Uh, and that's this year. We're only at the end of April. Um, so that's, and those are just the ones we know about. We know there's probably so much more out there that we don't know because not everybody reports it. I know just, just beginning the second quarter and you've already got 200 at least opportunities for folks to continue to be you know, moms and daughters and husbands and fathers and people. That was with one of potential. the quotes actually on our um, on our form. It was like uh, something about a father going home to his children, and he had just lost his wife to an overdose, uh, and he was, you know, in his he was sad and uh, and and angry probably, and um, decided to numb himself and ended up overdosing and was brought back. And the lady was like, you know, you, you saved this family from another tragedy. And I will say that when I am having a rough time, um, I will go read the quotes from people because it always lifts me up. It reminds me of why I do what I do. Um, and part of why I do what I do is survivor's guilt. Of course, I think a lot of us have that, Um, but also I have been able to see how fucked up our systems are from the privileged point that I sit at that mm-hmm. I can't imagine seeing it from other I mean I can't I can't imagine how bad it is from other people's perspectives right because of that and knowing that I have the platform and the space to do something about it I would not be okay with myself if I didn't do something about it um, so yeah this is why and and we are driven you do difficult work um, and there is resistance and there is just crazy out there sometimes. And and I apologize to our listeners in recovery from mental disorders like myself. Sometimes crazy is a hard word not to say. I've been switching to wild. That has been wild. helping. That's wild instead okay. of that's crazy. <clears throat> yeah. That, helped, that has helped me um, because I don't like saying the word crazy either in reference to things. Yeah, a certain way. Um, I don't. I don't either. But sometimes it just kind of slips out when I'm thinking about um, sure. uh, privileged and entitled policymakers making emotional decisions not based in science that are actually promoting more death. Yes. And uh, it, yeah, when we passed Senate Bill Five Eleven a couple years back to legalize mm-hmm. reduction bill, uh, services in Oklahoma, I sat on calls with legislators. Um, and the language that they use to speak about people is absolutely <laughs> not good. <laughs> and you wild. have to, yeah, it is wild. You have to pick your battles with people on like how how much am I going to correct them? Like, do yeah. I correct them at everything that they say, or do yeah. I just do little bits in here and there? Because you have to slowly introduce people to things if they don't know. 
And um, some people just don't care and they're not going to change their language. So why do you keep fighting with them? Yeah, we, we meet them where they are and, and bring them along. Uh, I make sure that I use appropriate language in front of them. <laughs> keep modeling it, sister. Yeah, model the so, behavior. This is a brilliant segue to, you know, the, the difficult work that you do and the recentering and re-energizing of reading these, you know, remarks from people uh, who have survived. Um, what do you do to take care of yourself and what do you do for fun too? I mean, tell, tell me about you. Um, I find that spending time with my friends is really healing and comforting um, I like to laugh a lot with my friends. I'm goofy. I'm silly. I say funny ass shit sometimes. And um, I like to make my friends laugh. But I also have been painting a lot lately. Um, I never really painted before. Uh, here and there throughout my life, I've done some artsy stuff. But lately, it's been like pouring out of me. And I don't know if it's just the the outlet for it because of what's been going on are because of, you know, the work that I do and the things that happen in my life. Um, but I've created, I've been painting some really cool shit. And I'm like, I don't even know where this is coming from. My mom's a painter as well. And so um, I didn't think that I had that artistic ability. Um, and I'm proving myself wrong on that every day. So that's been really nice. And I love doing it. Like, all I want to do is get off work and go home and paint because it just feels really nice. Um, it's almost like a meditative state that I can put myself in. Um, and I'm not very good at meditating. I've tried in the past and it, it I have, I'm just so neuro, I'm so ADHD. It's just, I can't sit still. So having something to do to keep my mind moving a little bit, um, helps and I can concentrate on that. Uh, but yeah, I like to go dancing. I like to, there's a, a bar downtown here in Tulsa that I hang out at and I have like a little family, you know, your bar family or whatever, a group of friends that I hang out with there. And I like to check in with people. We also do um, supplies at uh, like six or seven bars in downtown Tulsa um, with like, uh, not, we do uh, Narcan, fentanyl test strips, snorting kits, and a couple other things. And um, we put those in the bar. So I like to go around and make sure they all look nice, but I have somebody that fills them, but I still like to go around and, you know, say hi to everyone and make sure everything looks good. Just so people know who we are too. So I'm always networking and looking at, I love doing it. Being around people energizes me, but I'm also a um, introvert and I need to be alone for like two days after a big event. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. Oh, that's lovely. You've painted a, a really great picture of, of creative outlet and, and uh, connection. And um, I dig it. I can't, I cannot draw or paint for shit. Um, music is my normal creative outlet. Then uh, I gave up playing my instrument. So I started this podcast and it, it scratches that itch. It really does. But recently I've, uh, I've picked up my horn again and I've, uh, yeah started jamming and i bought a couple of books see that very well that's a painting that i painted it's, oh right on i painted oh, that... and then i put tape over it and painted the insides and then i also started uh Flick. i did another one that i really like i don't know why this one came out but um i painted a vagina <laughs> apparently oh wow, look at that georgia my okay. friend wanted me yeah it was very Georgia. proud 
my friend wanted me to use different skin tone uh, colors for it. And so, yeah, oh no, it's kind of cool. I like it. But, I like uh, it. My friend had picked me a goddess card one day and it was uh, Sheila Nogic. And, uh, yeah. you know. Oh, that's a great PJ Harvey song. Yes, yes. I didn't know really? she sang that song. I went and looked up Sheila Nagy and I was like, PJ Harvey is one of my favorites. So I was like, that's my era, man. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was, I love I was like, she sang a song about this? But yeah, so I started drawing, I started painting the Sheila Nagy, like the, just the, <laughs> and that is what it has evolved into. And I can't stop painting it. I'm just like, there's something about the, well, they call her a hag and I'm 44 and unmarried, no kids. So technically I would be called one. And, and then, then it, exhibitionist it talks, too. <laughs> yeah. And it talks about like today, throwing uh, basically an F you to the patriarchy for today's beauty standards and things like that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally me. Like I do, not, I do not fit the, the mold. Going to wash that man right out of my hair. <laughs> that song that. fires me up and, and I'm a, straight white dude i don't know it just <laughs> that's so she, cool you know about sheila Nagy. i'm uh, glad you did <laughs> yeah that would have been a hard explanation <laughs> yeah <laughs> everyone else who hasn't hopefully is googling it and digging into some 30 year old fire really cool it's, yeah. i like re i liked reading about her i went down a rabbit hole on uh sheila okay. and it was it was pretty cool so yeah <laughs> Wow. So we have that in common. And I've turned my son on to her as well. He came to me one day, man, and he was just like, hey, dad, have you ever heard of Bjork? And I'm like, yeah. Tell you something, honey. (laughs) Let me tell you something, honey. And he's uh, it's it's delightful to see my 23 year old boy digging on the same badasses that I did over 30 years ago. So, yay. Oh, good. Oh, that I'm going to listen to some of that now after we get off. <laughs> That's awesome. Now is the time. You know, do you, do you have a final message for folks? Hmm. Uh, let's see. I would say. If you are someone that considers yourself to be in recovery, just know that that doesn't have to look a certain way. Um, I thought it did. And I think that that hindered me for a long time. Um, but I never had a place where I felt like I could fully be myself. And I feel that way in harm reduction. Um, I would say that be easy on yourself, be gentle with yourself. Um, you don't have to buy into everything that everyone says you get to make your own decisions on things. Um, and just know that like you are exactly how you're supposed to be. Um, that version of you, you may not like certain things, but we get to change. We get to make changes in our life. Um, our decisions, our actions, not everyone else's. <laughs> um, but just know that there is space for you um, always. And I feel like there's always space for you in harm reduction. I don't know that there's always space for you in other areas because I never felt like I fit in a lot of those places. Um, but again, harm reduction has been the, the real people that I have been looking for my whole life, that group that I have been looking for. And I hope that you, whoever's out there listening, and if you're not feeling it, like 
I hope that you find the place that you fit into and find the people that will that love you and care about you because that is the most important thing is finding the ones that you can trust and be around and um, open up to because those are the ones that are going to save your ass in the long run. Space for you. Space for you. There is space for you. There's that's the title of that's the title of this episode. Now. Ah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we try to. I mean, it's all about community and building community. Yeah. Right. That's the whole reason that those 12 step programs have any sort of success is the fellowship. So if you're going to leave one of those programs, make sure you have a community. Make sure you have people. I started branching out before I left AA and and meeting people to hang out with people at school and hang out with people at work and knowing that that wasn't a bad thing. Because that's what I've been told my whole life. Like those are normies. We don't associate with them. But you called upon us to come find our people. Find your people. I love it. I and love if it. you're in Oklahoma, come find me so we can be friends. <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, it's been a treat, sister. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Right on, right on.